Hello, and welcome to another Church Mission Society podcast. We try and bring together stories from people across the globe who are involved in God's mission so that you can pray, learn, and participate in mission too. To discover more stories, visit churchmissionsociety.org. On the 17th of July, 2018, Church Mission Society hosted a day for people wanting to engage more in mission among those who identify themselves as spiritual, but not religious. Matt Arnold spoke about his connections with Pagan Pride. In the following interview, he shares more about this, as well as about being, as he puts it, re-evangelized by pagans. This is Naomi Steinberg. I'm here talking with Matt Arnold, um, mostly about Pagan Pride, but actually the first thing I want to know is what is it, what does it mean to be a stage mentalist and a Christian minister? So a stage mentalist, um, I, I wanted to find out about Darren Brown. Darren Brown was somebody who I thought, wow, he's doing some stuff. And as a Christian, I'm thinking, is he actually in contact with something that is dark? Is he doing something that is involved with some spirits talking to him that's giving him this information? So, um, I'm a natural curious person and I decided I'd go and explore. So I got interested in mentalism because actually mentalism is the last piece of magic that remains mysterious for adults. Um, You can go and buy a Marvin's magic kit with cup and balls and card magic and all that sort of thing. Um, And everybody knows it's a magic trick. But when you do mentalism, you can, if you wish, start a cult. Um, Not that I would advise doing that, but you, you, you can have this power or perceived power to know information. I would basically put it down to uh, a mentalist is an information thief. And they will wheedle information out of you in one way or another. You won't know that, but they will then replay that information back to you and appear as if, wow. So you're doing it right now? Is it happening? No, no, I'm not reading your mind or anything like that. No, no, no. So so I've done, I used to be a member of Nottingham Guild of Magicians and um, I've done stage act stuff. I do close up magic with antiques as well. And that's where I got interested in the storytelling side of things, which was my in into. mystery and myth and all that sort of stuff. You said something earlier that really stuck with me and um, like I think it'll stick with me for a while. You said that you were, uh, I think, re-evangelized by paganism. Um, could you tell me what you mean by that? <laughs> yes, it does sound a bit scary, doesn't it? You know, whoa, I'm about to become a pagan. No, I haven't become a pagan. Um, what I've found is that I've evangelism is sharing good news. Okay, so... If you truly believe that God is speaking in different cultures, then God will be saying things that are good news to that culture. So what is good news that I can hear from the pagan community? Um, A love of the natural world was something that I have been evangelized with by the pagan community. Um, That's taken me back to exploring God within the natural world. So they believe in um, many believe in an imminence of God or the divine and I kind of been brought up really with a, a transcendent approach God is out there or lives in your heart and um, so for me to try and get my head around that as first off I've trained as an engineer and a scientist I used to be a head of physics so God 
be everywhere, including the spaces between the spaces inside a gas or a solid. You know, I'm not sitting on this chair now. I'm actually hovering about a millionth of a millimetre above it. Um, but God's in those spaces. And so to then realise that God is there, present, and there's nowhere I can go, Psalm 139, all that sort of stuff. Um, I went back to scripture with a fresh vision of, of God and also enchantment. Um, Christianity's lost its awe and wonder in a lot of places because it has all the answers. You can buy a book, the answers to this, 101 answers on and all apologetics. Um, traditional apologetics is propositional answer, question answers type stuff. Um, and actually we've dissected it so much that we've lost the beauty of what it means to have the mystery of God. And pagans are very happy to live with mystery and not have all the answers. But for some reason, post-enlightenment, us Christians have to have all the answers. And yet we didn't in the past. And we lived with the mystery of God. And that's where my exploration of, say, the Catholic traditions, of, uh, the Roman Catholic traditions have come in. Ignatius and all of those spiritual disciplines have taught me that Actually, God is mysterious. I don't know all the answers because I'm trying to encounter an infinite being. Oh, I can't do that with my finite mind. <laughs> Certainly not now. Indeed. So talk to me about pagan pride and kind of briefly trace how you got involved. Okay, so um, I'm, I often speak of pagan pride, and, and it's a privilege and an honour. How did that happen? Um, I went to what's called a moot, which is a pagan gathering. The title of the, or the group that meets is Spellcrafters, and Christians get a bit scary about the word spell, but actually gospel actually comes from that. If you look up the word, it just means word. Um, so I went to this pagan gathering and got to meet some of the big wigs of the pagan world. I didn't know that at the time, but the big wigs of the pagan world in Nottinghamshire anyway. And uh, I was showing them some of my material that I'd written because I'd been part of the Forest Church movement at the time. And I'd been writing rituals, which as a strict Baptist upbringing, ritual was something we didn't do. Um, so I discovered a love of liturgy and I'd shown it with to them. And they were going, Matt, you're writing pagan rituals, what are you doing? And having had them checked out for theological accuracy with a Baptist, Anglican and Methodist ministers, um, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going somewhere new here. And after five hours of conversation in a pub, um, this couple, David and Esme Knight, uh, asked me to come and speak at Pagan Pride. And... Uh, from there, I've been back pretty much every year speaking either as uh, the Deep Green Christian as a testimony or as um, an interfaith panel person or talking about the Forest Church or even Jesus the Green Man. And what what is Pagan Pride itself? It's one of the most fascinating festivals, day festival, totally free of charge, run by a very small committed team of people um, it's a family-friendly event, and it's there to promote paganism as a viable way of life, a viable faith path, and um, you have all sorts of things like talks, workshops, um, belly dancers, you have Robin Hood come along and speak, um, you have live bands, and 
you can buy all sorts of goods there. Um, and it's a great day out. And people will, you know, think Matt's a Christian. He's advising going to a pagan festival. I'm thinking, yeah, because actually Jesus came to give us life in all its fullness. And life there is there. And I'm there representing and being the hands, feet, eyes, mouth and ears of Jesus. Um, that's how I operate. What's a deep green Christian? A deep green Christian. So you have eco-spirituality where um, people will change their behaviours uh, to be more environmentally friendly. And that's that's great. That's, that's a very, very positive thing to do. I, I do that. But I also go a bit deeper than that, and I look at the interrelationships between the living world. Um, I have a very Christian, animistic approach. So for me, the world is full of persons, just some of them are human beings. Um, in Narnia, um, C.S. Lewis's thing, Eustace, I think it is, who's asked or talks about the stars and what, what are the stars? And, well, they're a big ball of gas, aren't they? No, that's what they're made of. What are they? And so, we, you know, for me, a deep green Christian is one who can stand and say a Psalm 148, praise him, sun, moon and stars, and actually get, get alongside the natural world in its joyous symphony of creation and praise to, to the one that made it. So I haven't asked this question of anybody yet that I've been interviewing today, um, but somebody was posing the question to me when I went back to my desk, can you be a Christian and a pagan? Um, <clears throat> it depends what you define as pagan. Um, if you define a pagan as a polytheist, um, I would say you would probably have some very difficult things to do with that. If you were talking about a cultural pagan, then I think, yes, you can be. Um, I myself would be a pagano-Christian rather than a Christo-pagan because I think the prefix determines your culture and the suffix is actually your core belief system. So for me, my core beliefs are who is the person of Christ? He is the Son of God, the, you know, one of the Trinity. Um, everything else is pretty much up for grabs in terms of you know the, the, where the wind blows so that I can fit in where I need to but at the same time, I know who I am and whose I am. And that's the most, for me, the most important thing. So in terms of like the Christian community, uh, obviously we're in a room full of people today who are definitely interested in exploring this topic. Do you see more and more interest in this kind of um, mission among people who are spiritual, not religious? Or do you feel like it's, do you feel like it's growing or declining or remaining static? Um, well, the fact we're here today is, is a positive thing. Um, that's, you know, a, a forward-thinking move for the church to be doing. Um, I think the church can sometimes, in times of great change, retreat to uh, a place of stability where it doesn't want to reach out to new stuff because it's trying to just manage what it's got already in terms of declining numbers. Um, so, yeah, I definitely say, well, it's on the rise in terms of where Christians are trying to go. There is a flip side to that in the sense that because it is seen by some as sexy evangelism, um, they want a piece of it and they've had a narrative that is we can walk into a place and we can save lots of witches and druids and all of that sort of stuff. And actually, that's the worst kind of operation. And 
you know, we do have to be on aware that that is taking place and it's totally and utterly uncontextual and it does more harm actually than good. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Church Mission Society. For more material from our day conference on mission among people who are spiritual but not religious, go to churchmissionsociety.org forward slash spiritual.